0: What is it like when you begin to feel like everything is about to change? Maybe you've been in that situation, and you, you, you feel like life is, so you get certain, certain things in your life that you like, these things I know for sure, these are, these are the certainties in my life, and, and what does it feel like when one of those certainties begins to not feel quite so certain anymore? Here in recent years, we've all had that, that creeping feeling like anxiety, is the anxiety of something being right around the corner, something that's a little bit unknown, something that we're, we're not quite sure about, something that, we're, that has us feeling a little bit unsettled. And As we begin to feel that unsettledness, we begin to feel that uneasiness, uh, that things maybe be, might be on shaky ground. Maybe for you in the last few years, it's been an employment situation. There have been talks of layoffs, of cutbacks, of furloughs. And all of a sudden, there's this this question. Am I going to have a job at the end of the month? Is there going to be enough money at the end of the month? Is there going to be a loss of job? job? Is there just going to be a loss of income? What is it? And so we we begin to feel unsettled. We begin to feel uneasy. Maybe for you, it's been a diagnosis. Maybe not you personally, but maybe a loved one, maybe a dear friend, maybe a parent, maybe there's someone else that you love, someone else you care for. The diagnosis hasn't been great. And you know the road ahead is going to be uh, difficult. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be uh, rough. It's going to be unclear. And maybe for many of us over the last couple of years, we, we, there's been the, the question of, am I going to get sick? Someone I know is going to get sick. If they get sick, is it going to be serious? Is it going to, will they recover? Will they, will they have difficulty? What will it be like? And so we have this anxiety about us because things around us feel like they could change at any moment. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what the disciples felt like that night? They're in the upper room. And Jesus begins to take certain things that they know for certain, they know how the Passover meal is supposed to go. They've done it for years. And then Jesus takes what they know and begins to change it. This bread, I'm going to dip it in this sauce. It's supposed to remind them of coming out of Egypt. And Jesus says, no, this bread, this bread is my body broken for you. Cups of wine throughout dinner. They're supposed to have certain significance in, in, re, in regards to, to, to Passover and to their, their time in Egypt and, and God taking them to the promised land. And, and God's like, Jesus is like, no, 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 no. This cup is, it's the new covenant in my blood. And everything that they thought they knew was being turned upside down. And then there's this talk that Jesus is going away. He's going to go away. He's not going to be here with us anymore. And there's that creeping anxiety that's coming into play. And Jesus, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send a a helper. I'm going to send an advocate. I'm going to send uh, the the, the paraclete. I'm going to send this called alongside one. Jesus, if if it makes you feel any better, we'd rather just have you. And so they're anxious. They've celebrated this time together. And as scripture says, all of a sudden, they get up and they begin to leave the room. They leave the upper room and they are on their way to the garden. And along the way, they probably saw some vines. And Jesus will begin to to, to draw those into his teaching. And the disciples are stacking teaching upon teaching. At the beginning of the night, they came in arguing about who is the greatest. Who is the greatest among them? And as they began to have this conversation, Jesus gets up from the table, takes off his outer robes, puts on a towel, and goes around and washes their feet. He, their master, Lord, teacher, leader, he, the greatest, became least for them. He says, I'm going to go away to prepare a place for you, and you know the way to get to where I am. But in the meantime, meantime, I'm going to give you this helper, and I'm going to provide for you. Peace. i provide for you peace. i shown you my love. I'm offering you peace. And yet they're still, still so concerned. Can you imagine what it would have been like to have be been the disciples that night? The heaviness in the room. The heaviness in their hearts as they begin to make their way to the garden. And they could tell that things were about to change. We're going to continue on in the in, in the in the Gospel of John. We're going to look at John chapter fifteen. As I said, uh, th- th- as they make their way, they're going to see. Uh, likely, they're going to see some some vines. They're going to probably walk through a vineyard. And, and, and this this picture of vine is 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 uh, is like a national symbol. Like if you look on many of much of our currency and many of our things, you'll see an eagle. An eagle is kind of like the, that picture of, of, of the American freedom, of American power, of, of who we are as a country. There's the, the bald eagle. But in Jewish culture in Israel, it was a vine. It was a call back to Isaiah chapter 11 where, where, where God says, I, I, I took you as my vineyard and I, and I planted you in and caused you to grow. And so th- there was this idea, there was this picture that Israel was this vineyard that was connected to God. The Maccabees, a, 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 a leadership group of the Jewish people, in a time before Jesus was born, as they were minting coins on the back of their coins, they would put a picture of a vine and branches. And Jesus will take this national symbol and use it as a picture for what a relationship with him ought to look like. And this is what he wrote. He said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself that must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, Showing yourselves to be my disciples. What you do when everything feels like it's about to change. You begin to hold on to whatever you know or think of as certain. And Jesus tells them, I am going to hold you right back. He says, here's how it goes. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. Jesus says, I am the vine. What's the role of The vine. The role of the vine is to provide nutrients to the branches so the branches can bear fruit. The job of the vine is to stay connected to the ground, to have good, strong roots, to draw nutrients from the ground, to draw nutrients from what's around it so that it can feed the branches so the branches can bear the fruit that they're supposed to bear. That's so why you see, you know, uh, you know, apple trees are always going to bear apples. These are oranges. You see, the grapevines, they begin to make their way into the ground. They draw up nutrients so that they can produce fruit. What's the role of the gardener? Jesus, I'm the vine. My Father, God is the gardener. His job, is the job of the gardener, is to put the vine in the best position to grow fruit, Right? I mean, they remove rocks. They remove the weeds. They uh, feed the soil. They make sure there's proper water to the soil. They make sure they plant the, the the vines in the best position to receive the right amount of sun, so they can produce the best fruit available. And the gardener's job is to tend to the vine, so that the vine can do its best work. So Jesus says, "Father, does this." I'm the vine, comes along with me, and, and he, he tends to me. He makes sure that, that the vine that I am will produce the most fruit. And so, he, what does he do? He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. Now, grapevine wood is not really sought after for building. No, no one's going to say, hey, put some new hardwood floors in. What kind of wood? Grapevine wood. The, 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 the wood of the grapevine is. It's not good for anything. If it's, if it's not bearing grapes, it's good for fire. And so the, 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 the way that you have to tend to a, a, a grapevine is at the end of every season, you have to cut the vines way back. Because grapevines only produce grapes on new growth. I only produce grapes on new growth. So if you leave a, a branch out there for another season, it's, it's going to keep growing. It's just going to grow more wood. It's not going to grow any more grapes. And, and, and that's wood. that wood is not good for anything. And so the, great, the, the, the gardener, the, the, the vineyard master knows that he's got to cut that back. He's got to prune it. He's got to prune that branch all the way back so that next year, the next season, it can be even more fruitful. It doesn't want to distract the vine by produce, p- p- pouring energy in things that will not produce fruit. And so he cuts it back so that it can be more fruitful. And God comes in and inspects the branch. He inspects each outshoot. Out he looks to see if it's producing fruit. And if it is, he, 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 he will you know, feed and, and care for and tend to that branch. But then every season he prunes it back so that the next season it can continue to do what it does. Jesus says, "Remain in me. I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine." And maybe you've seen this. Maybe you've, you know, you, you you've done a little pruning around your house, and there's like the, the tree. Is, you're trying to shape the trees in your yard so that as you you mow that you don't bang your head on them. You know that. that Maybe that's just a personal thing that you, 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 and as, you, as the trees grow, as those branches grow out there, you, once you cut the branches off, there, there are no blooms on those branches anymore. Maybe it's a fruit tree. You cut that branch off, that branch is no longer going to produce fruit because it's no longer getting energy, it's no longer getting nutrients, it's no longer being fed by the vine, by the tree. Jesus says, if you're not connected to me, you will bear no fruit. You have to remain in the vine. Jesus Jesus will then finish out the equation. He says, I'm the vine, right? He says, I'm the vine. My father is the gardener, and you, you are the branches. He he, he brings the disciples into this picture. He says, I am the vine. My father takes care of the vine. He removes the branches that are not bearing fruit, and you are those branches. You are the one, if you remain in me and I will remain in you, the the, the vine doesn't go, doesn't like, you know, just like lop off branches. The the vine holds, try to hold everything together. The branches need to remain connected to the vine. if these things occur, it says, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. See, if properly cared for, vines will naturally bear fruit. It's almost automatic. If if a vine is planted in good soil and receives good nutrients and receives proper amounts of water and sunshine, they just produce fruit. It's what they do. You know, the, the, the orchards around here, they don't have to go, oh, I hope the apple trees produce apples. I hope the peach trees produce peaches. No, they do it almost automatically. And they may go, hey, hope it doesn't frost tonight. I hope it. I, I hope we get the. You know. I hope it warms up. I hope we get some really warm days and some cool evenings so those those peaches and those apples can can really start to grow. But they don't have to wonder. I wonder. I wonder what we're going to get on the apple tree this year. Maybe, maybe this year we'll get oranges. No, because they, they, the the trees automatically produce fruit. But with us, with us, it's. It's somewhat different, right? See, but, uh, Mark Morris said this, by clinging to Jesus, we will bear fruit. It is not automatic like it is with the, the apple trees or the, or the vines. It's not automatic, but it is inevitable. If we remain in him, we will bear much fruit. But if we do not, we will bear nothing. It, will, it won't happen just by sitting there. We won't bear fruit just by rolling out of bed. It will pr- cause, we, 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 there will have to be effort. It doesn't just happen, but if we put in effort on our part, Jesus, if you stay connected, if you put in effort, you will bear fruit. You will be fruitful. Well, we cannot and will not be able to do anything to earn our salvation, our works, our fruit are evidence of our salvation. Which leads me to ask the question, Can you be a Christian and not bear fruit? Can you be a Christian and not bear fruit? Because you've already seen what God does to the branches that have no fruit on them. What does he do? He cuts them off and throws them into the fire. Jesus says, if you do not remain in me, you'll be like a branch that does not bear fruit. That is not the right slide. We'll go back to this if you do not remain in me, you will be like a branch that is thrown into the fire. If you read through the New Testament, being thrown into the fire and burned is, how should I say it, Um, that's not a good description. Sometimes fire is used uh, as as a description of purification. Your works will pass through the fire, and if they they survive going through the fire, then then they will be uh, um, acceptable. Sometimes fire is seen as a purification. But if something is thrown into the fire and and burned, that is a picture of judgment. That is not purification, that is is judgment. If you do not bear fruit, you'd be like a branch that's cut off, thrown into the fire, and burned. To be a Christian, to be a disciple of Jesus, it seems to imply that bearing fruit is necessary in keeping with our faith. Jesus says it this way, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What's to his Father's glory? Our bearing fruit. Can you not bear fruit and be a Christian? Can you be a Christian and not bear fruit? It seems not. Because fruit is evidence of our faith. Fruit is evidence of our faith. If we do not produce fruit, our faith, our connection to Jesus may be questioned. So fruit is evidence of our faith. But Jesus doesn't just throw this out there and say, hey, you need to bear fruit. He also gives them the how, right? He kind of tells, us, tells them how they can bear fruit. Because they, they, you know, sometimes... Um, you know, as, as Jim was asking some of those questions at the beginning of his communion meditation, it reminded me that sometimes we might begin to feel some anxiety in ourselves about our own faith, about our own salvation. Am, am, am I bearing fruit? Am I, am I doing enough? Am, 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 I, am I showing that I am a believer? Am I showing that I'm a disciple of Jesus? And sometimes anxiety can, can well up inside of us. Am I doing enough? It, you know, it, would, would Jesus see me as one of his own? And he says this to him, he says, the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. How do we do this? He's like, thank you for asking. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, that you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I have learned from the Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So that wherever, so that whatever you ask and My name, the Father will give you. This is my command: love each other. How do we, how do we put ourselves in a position to bear fruit? Jesus is just as simple: keep my commands. If you keep my commands, you will remain in me, and I will remain in you. And if we remain in Jesus, we will bear fruit. For the Father's glory. And so we, we at Mass. Okay, so, so we, I have to obey his commands. What is the command that Jesus leaves us? He says, love each other as I have loved you. And they're going to go back just maybe a few hours earlier. And remember that Jesus washed their feet. He was willing to serve those around. Those who may not have deserved it. He's willing to do whatever it took to show someone their love, his love for them. We do this today. See, the responsibility of a Christian, the responsibility of a Christ follower, the responsibility of a disciple of Jesus is to love others as Jesus has loved us. And so here's a simple test, a simple question you can ask yourself in any and every situation that you find yourselves in. What does love require of me? What does love require of me? See, the other day, I was um, o- over at Sam's filling up on gas because it's cheaper there, and it was worth the drive over. And so I waited in the line because for some reason you can't go both ways at Sam's. And so I was pulling in, and then finally I got up to my pump, and as I was feeling, getting ready to fill up my car, I re- re- realized so saw this other car Pulling behind me, I saw the car pulling behind me. I noticed that the his front license plate was a veteran's tag. And so, as I uh, was waiting patiently for the uh, pump to accept my payment, uh, I noticed that as he got out of his vehicle, it appeared that he only had one leg. And so he, he 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 paid for his, and then finally got my pump to allow me to pump gas into my car. And I went over and. Thank the man for his service. Often when I see servicemen and women out in public, I, I, I take a moment and thank them for serving our country. And uh, we began to talk. I, he was a Marine like my brother. He uh, served in, uh, in uh, I, I believe he served in, in Desert Storm in the uh, late 80s or the 90s there. And uh, we were talking for a while and uh, went back to my pump the other side of the pump was an older man. And he looked at me and he said, you just made an old man's day. And uh, I said, did you serve? And he said, yeah, I, I served in, in the army. So I thanked him for his service that day as well. On that day, what did love require of me? Love required of me to acknowledge the service and sacrifice of two men who have served our country so that we could be free so we could uh, worship together the, the 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 foundations of our of our country could be uh secure so that the the um uh the the uh, things that we believe in this country can be protected so everywhere we go throughout the day what does love require of you maybe "Ah, Maybe that, that question still could be hard to answer. Andy Stanley says this. He says, when you don't know what to say or do, just love like God through Christ loved you. When you don't know what to say or do, just love like God through Christ loved you. What did Jesus do? He gave up his life. He laid down his life for us. See, most of the time, love requires us just to be present. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have anything smart to say. A lot of times our presence is present enough. So a question I might have for you this week is, who can you show up for this week? Who can you just be present with this week? Who can you be there for this week? What would love require of you to just be present? it's not but just a few hours from now. That's just a few hours from now when Jesus will, will, will die on a cross. And as he's walking his, their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, as they are passing these vines, as Jesus is talking about remaining in him and, showing, and loving one another, Jesus says this, greater love has no one than this, but to lay down one's life for his friends. In a few hours, he will show them, the greatest, fullest extent of his love. It wasn't just washing their feet. That was a, a, a small, practical, t- tangible way of showing up and serving them in that moment. We would show them so much more. We would be willing to lay down his life, to die for us, to show us the fullest extent of his love, to lay down his life for his friends. Loving others will always cause us to sacrifice something. See, Jesus did what love required. His his goal, his purpose was to restore us to his father, to restore our relationship with him. And the only way, the only way that that could occur is if there was a death. It had to be his death on a cross for us fully. And he became our Passover lamb. So we can pass over from death to life, so we can pass over from sin to perfected, to saved, to forgiven. Jesus did what love required of him. Now He calls us to the same thing, to love those around us. So how? How do we begin to live out this verse this week? On the connection card, there's some next steps that you can mark that you want to take. And we find that if you uh, uh, commit to them, if you uh, fill those out, if you let other people know that you want to make those steps, you are going to be far more successful in completing them and taking those steps and living them out. And so we want to offer a a couple next steps that you can make today. Well, one you could choose is, is to serve. Remember, Jesus got up from the table. He went and he served his disciples by washing their feet. Mark uh, told us about that uh, so effectively a couple of weeks ago. That was the job of the lowest servant. It was a job that no one wanted. It was the entry-level position. So think of the worst entry-level position you had. At least it was probably better than washing feet, right? But Jesus said, serve one another. Love one another. And he showed them in this way. And so who can you serve this week? Who can you show up for? this week to serve them with the love of Jesus? How can you use your gifts, your abilities to love those who are around you? How can you give sacrificially to lay down our lives so someone can experience the love of Jesus through you? It doesn't have to be some grand gesture. It doesn't have to be expensive. But it must be done with love. Like I mentioned earlier, who can you show up for this week? Another next step you could take is to connect. To connect with those around you. We find that it's easier to bear fruit. It's easier to live out our faith if we are connected together. Not only connected to Jesus, but also connected to others who love Jesus. And the more we connect together, the, the, the more effective our faith, the more effective we can be at bearing fruit. And so we offer a couple of different Bible studies. One is at Sunday morning at nine. And so if you want to come next week for the sunrise service, eat some breakfast, boom, you're here at nine o'clock and you, you can uh, participate in Sunday school together then, the, the Bible study class then. You can also uh, meet with us uh, tonight at 6 p.m. We'll be here and we're, we're going through uh, a study looking at some of the core verses of Scripture throughout the whole Bible. As we look through these simple, basic core verses, we are learning how, how God we, wo, has woven Scripture together, how He has put these foundational pieces together so we can build our faith in Him. And we see these times as a time to share life with one another, to open up Scripture, to learn how we can better live out our faith together. And from these same groups, we can learn how to better to serve and care for those around us. See, most of all, we, we want you to take your next step of faith, whatever it is. And a good way for, to let us know is by using the connection card at cchmd.com slash connect. You can uh, fill that out, hit send, uh, submit that. Uh, also, uh, some we will we'll be around today. You can talk to, to Mark, to Jim, myself, to David. We'd love to uh, talk with you about what your next step might be. Maybe today, your next step is your first step to accept Jesus as your Savior to accept the grace purchased for you on the cross and, and to begin to, to live your life bearing fruit for him. As we prepare to leave today, may this question rattle around in your brain this week. It may be brought to memory throughout the week. What does love require of me? How can we serve those who are around us? How can we show others the love of Jesus This week. As we think about this next week, this next Sunday, kind of one of the highlights of our year, who are you inviting to join you for Easter? Who are you inviting to join you in our celebration of of Jesus' resurrection from the dead? That we together might celebrate the new life that is found in Him. As we go, may we go. Take God's love. Take the love that Jesus has shown us. Take it to those who are around us, that we might show up for someone this week, so that they may see and experience God's love through us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you laid down your life for us. That you gave your very best, so that we might be restored to you. Father, we might be connected to you. And Father, this week, I pray that we will remain in you, that we will remain connected to you. Father, through your word, through acts of service, through acts of love, may we show and share your love with those who are around us, that they may see and experience just a bit of who you are by being in contact with us. Father, might we invite them into relationship with you. Might we uh, help introduce you to their Savior. Father, might we bear fruit to your glory this week. Father, help us to remain in you. Help us to love others well. And show them the love you've given us through Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. And we hope you guys have a great week. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Ha- have a great week. We'll see you on Friday at night at seven and uh, next Sunday morning, uh, bright and early for sunshine, for the sunrise service. Have a great week. We'll see you then.